I want to thank my sponsor today, TaylorBags.com. TaylorBags.com. And this one is the largest uh, handbag of the line. I liked it for today because it's got a pocket. I've got stuff in there. I've got in here some makeup. It goes in the bag. And, and here is for my cell phone. So for travel and for a busy woman and a strap that can make it a body. What do they call it? <laughs> Sarah, what do they call this? A body strap? Like a oh. body bag? <laughs> <laughs> a body bag. That sounds really bad. <laughs> anyway, go to tailorbags.com. All made in yummy, soft uh, leather in Spain. Well, welcome to the show again. As always, I have my cup of coffee. But I want to tell you where I got it. There's this cool coffee shop in the lobby called Ascension. And for those of you that live in the Metroplex, you know that name. Great. I love it. I'm going to take a sip. Mm. Because I haven't had enough yet today. Here is what I want to tell you about this show today. It's been quoted. I don't need easy. I just need possible. Now, that's a quote from Bethany Hamilton. But our guest today has lived this every day of her life, and she has been wheelchair-bound, but now she's wheelchair-bounty. And wait till you hear her story. She is proof that you can, and I can, and we all can. So no more excuses. Stay tuned. Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. So I want to welcome Mindy Henderson Henderson to the show. And Mindy, you just got a promotion. So tell us what it is. Thank you, first of all, for having me here. Um, I am, um, as of today, as a matter of fact, I am now the Vice President of Disability Outreach and Empowerment for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Well, sincere congratulations. You are an advocate. You travel all over the world as a keynote speaker, inspiring audiences, thousands of people. And that's what you're inspiring today, Mindy. I've got thousands of people that are going to be listening to you. And oh. I, when I listened to you in our pre-talk, was so inspired. And so just Thank you for being on the show. Why Thank you, you for having me. You're so welcome. I just want you to tell us your journey, please. So it's it's been a long, windy journey for sure. And, you know, I think I said to you when we met the other day that, you know, my, my disability doesn't define who I am, but it is interestingly sort of at the center of, of who I am. You know, I'm so much more than my disability, but in my case, there's been so much about it 
that has really guided my journey and where I've gone from moment to moment in some cases. And so I was born with a condition called spinal muscular atrophy when I was only, um, I was diagnosed when I was only 15 months old. And my parents, who, by the way, were only in their 20s when this happened, um, they were told along the way to that diagnosis that I would, in fact, lose all of my ability to stand and walk, that I would lose all of my cognitive function, and that I probably would not live to be three. Now, like I said, they were in their 20s. They had another small child under the age of two at home and found themselves in this world of having to navigate this news and complicated medical systems and things. And a few things happened really early on in my life that I like to talk about because they were so poignant and so pivotal to the person that I'm so proud to have become. The first one was that in the face of that news, my parents made the decision between the two of them that, that you know, if that was how my story was going to go, they wanted to know that they had done absolutely everything in their power to help me. And so they started doing physical therapy with me, working with me, and bit by bit, I started to get stronger. And I've had a lot more than three birthdays at this point. <laughs> and so, you know, even though I was so young, that was a story that I've always known somehow. And in that process, my parents became my first examples of hope and of having hope in the face of what the absolute experts in their field were telling them was a hopeless situation. And I've largely la uh, led my life guided by that driving force of hope. The second thing that happened was that my parents continued to have expectations of me. I had an able-bodied sister, um, but the same things were expected of both of us. We were expected to do well in school. We were expected to have friends, to have interests and all of that. And I think that what that did for me was really to level the playing field for me. And, you know, they didn't let me make excuses not to do things just because they were going to be hard. And that's another real tenet of my life. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid of hard. I'm afraid of impossible, um, just like Bethany Hamilton says. And then the last thing that happened early in my life was that the Muscular Dystrophy Association came along when I was only four and asked me to represent them as their Texas state ambassador, which gave me the opportunity at the age of four to do things like give speeches and um, go to events and meet celebrities and say thank you to the volunteers, the staff, and the corporate sponsors of MDA who enabled the Muscular Dystrophy Association to do so much to help me and my family. And so those are the things that I think foundationally um, really had that early influence on who I was going to become. And you certainly have the 
come. You are so accomplished. I made a list of the things. Can I brag on you a little bit? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, well, no. I'm, no. <laughs> I'm going to anyway, Mindy. You wrote a book, and I can see it uh, on the screen, kind of down below, The Truth. The Truth that you say it because I'm trying to read it, and I didn't get a copy of it. Yeah, it's probably not terribly visible. The truth about things that suck. There you go. The truth about things that suck. I Okay, you've got to send it to me right away. We just had this pre-interview, so you didn't get a chance to send it, or I wouldn't have muffled the name of it. But that no is a book for any of us. Because, Mindy, I don't know about you, but I'm really tired of complainers. I often say, you know what? Life is about who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. Take a look and decide on the scale. How many of those people are gainers or drainers? <laughs> so true. People, Mindy, they stay around the drainers. And guess uh -huh. what? So talk to us about that, how you have stayed so inspired all through your life. You know, I... I, I can't say that it's always been this way. I've had plenty of moments in my life where I did feel sorry for myself. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of people in my life who put up with that for very long. And fortunately for me, you know, my parents, my family, the friends that I surrounded myself with um, really encouraged me to look at the possibilities instead of my limitations um, and I, I think that, you know, what, what came up for me when you talked about, um, about drainers is I think sometimes we get addicted to the drama mm -hmm. that the drainer brings along with them. And, and so I think that that may explain a little bit why we do it, but, you know, here's the thing that I've learned over the years is that every single one of us has something on any given day that we could complain about and we could complain good about it. Um, you know, and, you know, and so I think that there have been moments in my own life where I've had pity parties and become wrapped up in my own negative thoughts about things. And I can remember more than one time getting so sick of myself that I actually said to myself, you, you got to get some new thoughts. This is, this is not working for you and no one is going to want to be around you. So, uh, actually that's true. People, you know, we don't want to be around the trainers. I don't anyway. Mm -hmm. You had something very powerful along that line, Mindy, to say to me, which is, Quitting is easy. Regret is what's hard. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean it's it's so true. Um, I'm I'm I've always been a big goal setter, and it was my dad who really got me on the goal setting track, and he got me started on my New Year's um, sort of process. I don't do resolutions, but I do goals every year. And, um, and he and I are very like-minded in terms of setting goals for ourselves. And, you know, if, 
if you have to do something like if if what you want to do warrants setting a goal to do it then by sheer nature what you're going to try and do is hard right? right and so anytime you're trying to do something that's hard there's going to be come a point where you want to quit but you you just will you're going to get tired you're going to get to the point where it's taking too long you're not seeing enough progress whatever the case may be and every single goal that i've ever worked on for myself um i wanted to quit and there is one very specific time in my life when i quit on a huge goal and i um i i i was very into music in my earlier years in my 20s I was really kind of pursuing country music and I was getting some traction. I had a producer I was working with and I quit because I got scared is I think another reason that some of us quit on our goals because we start to see something really amazing and the possibility of that and it starts to make us uncomfortable. And I started to get very nervous and I knew that there was a set of things that I was going to have to do to make this goal possible, namely moving to, to Nashville, which was a big deal. And, and so I started to worry about um, the, what I had already learned, which was, you know, and it's tacky to say it out loud, but living with a disability is expensive. Um, and so I started to panic a little bit, um, wondering if when all was said and done, if I could make it in music and I quit to go the safer route of getting my master's degree, which I, I don't regret at all. I do regret, regret quitting music entirely because I've spent so much time over the years wondering what if, and of course I could have done both. In the moment, I couldn't fathom that I could give the energy to both of those things, but of course I could have. And so I've spent a lot of years now wondering what could have happened with that one big, huge, lofty, audacious goal. And I didn't want to ever find myself in a position like that again. And so more recently, about four or five years ago, um, I had this 20 year career in high tech um, after quitting music and getting my master's degree, had a career that I was very proud of. Um, but then I got laid off from my most recent corporate job. And I had this period of time where I was job hunting and I wasn't scared. I figured I'd be on to the next best thing. Um, and 10 months later, I was still looking for a job. And I decided I had, you know, that bathroom floor moment, metaphorically, where I decided that I could either in that moment, it was, it was that specific. I could either become the worst version of myself and be angry and bitter and get a real attitude about what was going on with me and my circumstances. Or I decided that 
I can hire, I don't know if I can say this, but I can hire my own damn self. And <laughs> that's great. That's, and that's what I did. And I had a new dream to write a book about overcoming adversity, which is exactly what I was sitting in, in the moment. And I had a dream to be a speaker and I started to pursue those things. And I wanted to quit every other day. And the, the thing that kept me going was the regret that I had from giving up on that earlier goal in my life. You know what, Mindy, that's a wonderful story because many people, me included, uh, have had the exact same experience. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, most of us do exactly what you did, get back up and keep going and set another vision and a goal and you get it. And, you know, let's face it, in life, we, we have a success and then that can encourage us, kind of like climbing up a ladder, I guess, would be the best analogy I can give. If that one success that's so hard to put that foot on that ladder and you trust it'll hold you, right? And then right. roll up another one and another one. Way too many people quit. I actually had a person sit in my living room, Mindy, one time, and he was a senior person. And he said, you know, I never did in life what I really wanted to. Mm. I had nothing to say. There was nothing wow. to say. You don't give sympathy. You just listen. And then, of course, he wanted to tell the story. So thank you for that. That wow. is a huge lesson for all of us. And talking about job, you told me that it was uh, actually good when you took jobs that were over your head. That's interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. So, you know, my 22-year-old my self never would have said this to you, but... You know, I've I've lived enough life now and I've had enough career um, under my belt that I can look back now and I can say that every single time I took on a new job, I can look back and see that I was in at least a little bit over my head. It's not a lot over my head. And those were the things that were... I learned the most and they stretched me the most. And, you know, they, in, in some cases, they even took my career on an entirely new trajectory where different opportunities that I never would have even thought to pursue just kind of opened up for me. So I'm a big proponent of getting in over your head a little bit because um, I think people respect it, number one, mm -hmm. and you'll figure it out. You know, we're we're all smart people, and I think you need to give yourself the credit for being able to jump into the deep end and figure out how to swim. Absolutely. You know, talk to us about traveling all over the world now. How difficult is it, Mindy, to fly for you? Very difficult. It's that's that's a big question. And air travel is actually something that I dedicated a very large part of myself this past year to working on. And I, I find that most people who are not wheelchair users have no idea what it takes for a person who uses a wheelchair to be able to fly. 
because um, air travel is the last mode of transportation left where an individual has to be separated from their mobility device in order to travel on that method of, of transportation. I can't drive my wheelchair onto an airplane like someone else could just walk onto an airplane. I have to be lifted out of my wheelchair by people I don't know, by strangers, which is awkward at best. And, you know, at worst, it opens you up to injury. I've, I've actually been injured in the process. I had an ankle get sprained. Um, I know other people who have ended up in the hospital with injuries because they've been dropped or handled by a person who may have been well-intentioned, but just wasn't trained to do what was being asked of them. And when you're working with an individual person's body, there's so much variability to what you can and can't do. And so there's so much risk involved in getting me out of my chair, put into this skinny little aisle chair that's designed to go down the aisle of the airplane, which is about three inches wide. I think these days they've made the planes so small. Um, and, you know, and then I have to be wheeled down the airplane to where my seat is, picked up again and put into the seat of an airplane where I don't have the proper supports and things. Wheelchairs have gotten so sophisticated. Again, at the risk of being tacky, I just got a brand new motorized wheelchair this year. And um, there's so much that is specific to me and the different parts of my body that need to be supported. I had to go through four or five different appointments by different medical professionals to get it fitted exactly to me. And so you take me out of that and it's horribly uncomfortable and can also create injuries by, you know, having to sit out in a different chair in an airplane seat for three or four hours when that's not what you're used to and what your body can tolerate. Then the last thing that happens is your wheelchair and, and this wheelchair, the new one, um, that I've got costs about a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. They're that sophisticated with the electronics and everything. And my wheelchair, I have to entrust to again, people I don't know to take it down below and store it safely with all of the other luggage and the airline industry. I think the latest statistic is that they damage about 115 wheelchairs a day. Oh. Um, in this Nationally? country. Nationally? Yeah. Things and so, things and so it about. is. It, it's a very um, inequitable process um, at this point. And it blows my mind that in 2024, we can't do better than this. And what, but what I will say is that, you know, what I've spent my time on this past year is that every five years the FAA has to be reauthorized or airplanes don't fly. Well, this happens to be one such year. 
And so knowing that this was coming up, myself and a lot of other advocates and organizations have been lobbying for language to go into this FAA reauthorization bill that will require more accessibility. It still isn't to the point where it's going to allow me to take my wheelchair on an airplane, mm -hmm. but it's going to set us up for the next FAA reauthorization so that when that one comes around in five years, the Department of Transportation will be able to mandate wheelchair spots on airplanes. And so the work that we're doing right now is so important. And anyone who's listening, I would encourage you to reach out to um, your own representatives or senators mm -hmm. and ask them to support the language around disability and accessibility in the FAA reauthorization vote. You know, Mindy, thank you, because these are things we don't think about. That's what advocacy is about. So it's technology true. certainly has impacted your life in a, in a beautiful way. I want to take it to another question. So you have a family. Tell us about your husband, who it sounds like you, when I ask you about this over the Zoom call previously, you just lit up as you are now. Tell us about your main support man. Oh, he is a good guy. His name is Michael, and we have been married. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to date myself, but we've been married for about more than 20 years, uh, about 20 and a half years. And um, he's, you know, he's, he's incredible. He supports everything that I do. And um, he's got just an amazing heart. He's a really good person. Um, and so he's, he is fantastic. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. We love our, we love our supporters. Uh, I want to ask you who inspires you. Who inspires me? Um, there, I, I, I love this question but there are so many answers to this question. And it's it's sort of a non-specific answer, but truly people who do really, really, really hard things and don't quit mm. and accomplish them inspire me. I love nothing more than a, a Simone Biles or, you know, a, a success story of some incredible person who set out to do something so hard um, and pulled it off. And there are lots of stories about those and they're, they're very inspirational. Yours is just above and beyond, Mindy. Thank what you. What do you like to do? What do you like to do outside of your work work and all of that? Tell us oh, more about hobbies and what's fun. Well, I, I do love to read. Um, so I, I love to read. I love um, bookstores. I love going to a bookstore what you, and what getting you, a cup of coffee. And so I could sit there for hours and read. That's one of my favorite things to do. I love movies. I'm a big movie buff. A um, little bit of a foodie. I like to cook and um, and to let people cook for me. Um, and I am a huge animal 
person. I've got two dogs and a cat that are all rescues, and I love, love, love animals. <laughs> well, me too. I have a yeah. god, a, a god dog, a god dog, oh, dog. Oh, a retriever. Gunner, if you are watching, I'm talking <laughs> about you. <laughs> They're um, so much fun. When you uh, when you're reading, I would love to know since you're an author, what do you like to read? Right, you know what I I do love um, personal development books. Um, I don't think Go that beginner, we... of course you do. Yeah, well, you know I love to be challenged, and I love to um, try to continue to be better and to learn from other people's wisdom because there's so much out there um but i also love a good mystery and um you know and you know some chiclet and um and if it's chiclet with a mystery woven in i'm in heaven <laughs> you know i want to go back to the parents your wonderful loving parents what piece of advice would you give to anyone in our audience that is facing what your parents did, and that is taking care of someone they love dearly and um, the patience and all of that. What advice do you have for parents? And you are one, so. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard advice to give because if you are a parent to a child with a disability, you know, my, my parents and I have cried together, you know, and, and as, as supportive as they were, you know, they, they, um, you know, I, I talk about how they had expectations of me and didn't let me make excuses and things like that, but they were also very compassionate and they knew that what I was living out, especially as a child was, um, was difficult. And so, there are days when we cried together, um, but, you know, there are also probably more days when you need to encourage them and teach them that their disability is not the whole of who they are right. and teach them that while they may have some you know, if it's physical limitations or whatever the case may be, um, there are so many more possibilities than there are limitations and teach them to think outside the box because so often I've found that even a person with a disability, myself included, mm -hmm. we may self-select out of things thinking that they're not possible for us when what we don't know is that there are different creative adaptive ways to do things. So, you know, don't let yourself give up on a dream because maybe you think, you know, maybe I think I don't have it in me to be an Olympic skier, you know, because actually there are Paralympic skiers that do things differently and still love it just as much. So, you know, I, I, I think, um, optimism goes a long way. Teach your kids to um, not take no for an answer, um, even from themselves. 
Well said. Good advice to all of us. You shared with me something I, I want to go to, which uh, is, we should all remember this, nobody owes us anything. You said, uh -huh. nobody owes me anything. Now, lady, that's grit. That is grit. And I bring it up because in this world we're living in today, I'm sorry to say there are a lot of people who think the world does owe them something. And yeah. they might even let you know that. Yes. So what's changed? What do you think has changed in this, um, and not everyone, of course, but kind of a sense of entitlement? Why now? Yeah. You know, I, it's a, it's a really good question and I, I don't know why, um, you know, I, I think that there are probably psychologists and sociologists out there who could explain it to us, you know, sort of the progression of, um, you know, latchkey kids and, um, you know, things stemming back to, back to that and don't you know i don't, don't want to get phone calls if you're a latchkey kid i'm sure there are a lot of latchkey kids that are why was one mindy yeah yeah well there you go but you know i think that there's been just set, such a metamorphosis in the family unit and how we're there for each other how we're raising our children and the values that we're instilling in our kids it's not across the board um, but I think that to your point, there has maybe been a, a little bit of um, a de-emphasis on um, integrity and ethics um, and, and, you know, and, and what I'll say is that you're 100% you're right. Nobody owes us anything. Mm -hmm. Um, unless I loan you 20 bucks, then maybe you owe me 20 bucks. But that's as far as I am willing to take that statement in my life. Above and beyond that, nobody owes me anything. But there are people in life who are going to show you kindnesses. And when you can find that, it's a magical thing. It's a beautiful thing. And it's not something to be taken advantage of. It's something to be grateful for um, and, you know, and, and treated as the gift that it is. Because that person who's showing you a kindness, who's maybe mentoring you in your job or taking you under your, their wing or teaching you something, they don't have to do that. And so I think never let it be forgotten that that was a kindness and it was something that was not required of them and take it for what it was, which was a gift and guaranteed if you treat it that way. And if you look at life that way, being grateful for the gifts that come your way mm -hmm. instead of demanding things of people and their time and the world, um, I think that what you'll, you'll, you'll see start to unfold is more and more in the way of people who are interested in being part of your journey and showing you kindnesses and doing you some favors. I like that, Mindy. Thank you. 
Is there a question that no one has asked you that maybe you would like me to ask you? Oh, boy. You ask really good questions. Uh, Thank you. I, I don't know if I could come up with another one. Well, what do you like to do? You definitely ask me questions that no one else has asked me. Really? You have. And coming from a podcast host, you also tell us about your podcast. So I, um, I host a podcast for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. It's called the Quest Podcast. And we um, examine all sorts of different topics um, from, um, I, I guess you could say, the lifestyle world. Um, you know, we, we explore everything from employment for people with disabilities to adaptive fashion to relationships. Um, it's a really fun podcast, and if you or someone you know lives with a disability, I'd encourage you to check it out because the topics are so varied. I can't help but think you'll find something there for you. All right, say it again, and we'll put it in the banner, of course. Thank you. It's called The Quest Podcast mm -hmm. on YouTube? from the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Is it on YouTube? It is actually not on YouTube. It's purely audio, okay. um, but which I suppose could be on YouTube. Um, but it's, you know, it's everywhere else. It's Spotify. It's Apple. It's, you know, pretty much anywhere that you could, you could find a, a, your favorite podcast. Well, I'm sure that people, and me included, will tune in. And if people want to get in touch with you, my corporate audience out there, leaders who might want an inspirational and lovely lady named Mindy Henderson to do a keynote speech or come and talk to the teams, how can they reach you? I would love that. I, um, I'm on LinkedIn as probably the place where I'm the most active. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, but um, I'm the most active on LinkedIn. Um, again, I work for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. So if you look for Mindy Henderson, who works for MDA, um, you'll find me there. And I'd love to connect. Well, I'll bet you'll get some comments. And I would encourage you, by the way, audience, put something in the comments. Once you see this show or listen to this show, it's very helpful to get your comments. And always, always, always hit that red button. Subscribe whether it's YouTube or whether it's audio, subscribe so you don't miss any of these fabulous guests that I have on the show. I can't believe it, Mindy. It's in six years now, and I think you are number 172, I believe. Oh, my goodness. As a guest. I hope I got that right. And as always, so inspiring. Thank you for just being who you are and you know what, audience, for those of you who aren't watching, Mindy has not stopped smiling. I just thought I'd <laughs> throw that in. So blessings to you this year. I know you're going to knock it out of the ballpark and do a lot of inspirational talks all over the world. Take care, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, and I'm so pleased to know you. And we won't stop knowing each other. Now listen up, so. I've got something I always end with, so I'd love for you to listen. I always end with just a thought that I have, and this one I am going to say, my Valerieism. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. 
Well, we've talked about that the whole show, right, Mindy? But I want to go back to when I first heard this, and it was from my supportive husband years and years ago. And there were so many times that I wanted to give up. There are still bathrobe days for me. I had one last week. <laughs> so, you know, just because people smile, don't think we don't have those bathroom robe days. And yet, I always go back to what he said. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So we got to take the punches, right, Mindy? We got to take the rolls. We got to take the ups and the downs. But what we don't, don't got to take, and I won't, and you won't either, and I don't want my audience to, never give up. Never, never, never. If you've got something that's of value, whether it's your job, whether it's a, a skill in your job that the team relies on, a gift that you have that the world is waiting to hear, in your case, singing, talking, inspiring, you just stay out there. It's easy to quit, and don't you dare. And that's it for today. Until next time, stay happy. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.